and welcome to A Table for One. Thanks for joining your hosts, Jeanette Aycock and Shanta Langford, as we savor the single feast of life. And join us as we chat and share about the over 40 life experience. All right. So um, I kind of wanted to touch on something a little bit more serious uh, this episode. It was um, a couple of weeks ago, something really sad and disturbing happened. You know, I'm a big YouTube person now. Um, since I got rid of cable, <laughs> YouTube, is, YouTube has become my cable TV. Uh-huh. And I have quite a few people that I love uh, that are my favorites that just keep me entertained. And one of the people who I just loved and I just thought he was just so, he was just, it just had so much wisdom and he was just such a sweet person and a young person um but unfortunately he committed suicide and uh, he was very open about his struggles with depression and uh suicide uh his struggles before with it so you know i think everybody who was subscribed to him were fully aware that he had had his 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 demons and his struggles um and unfortunately he succumbed to them and i just i felt so sad because he was such a he just seemed like such i don't i didn't know him personally but he just seemed like such a wonderful person and so you know just very accomplished he was a he was actually a hairdresser he had his own business in new jersey um, he had recently moved from Jersey to Atlanta. Uh, he had had a, he had started a new relationship because he actually got uh, a, he was going through the process of a divorce with his husband, and then he got into a new relationship. And they actually had um, the the show, the YouTube show, together. The the new boyfriend, well, the ex husband and the new boyfriend, and unfortunately that didn't work out. So they broke up about over a year ago, and. Uh, he had been on for a while and then all then I didn't see him for a while and it was weird because maybe about a month or so ago I I I thought about him and I was like, "Huh, I wonder what you know, what he's doing." And then then everyone on YouTube got the news that he had committed suicide. And uh I just think you know, I think a, a lot of times people don't realize how dark it can be for some people. And how how it's not as easy as thinking happy thoughts or, you know, um, trying to get yourself out of it, you know, Uh, because I think if no one has ever dealt with depression, they really don't understand it. And I've been very open and vocal about my own struggles with it. So, you know, thank God I haven't been on that end of it. Um, but you know, who's to say in terms of if you, you have a a chemical imbalance and also a lot of psychological issues, um, if you don't deal with them, anything can erupt, you know? So I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to kind of talk about it just because I felt so, so sad for him. Yes. Yes. That he and, felt like he had to at 30, I think he was at 32, I think. But I know he was in his early early 30s, if I'm not mistaken. But that that was his only course of 
of action. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, why did he do that? Because I, I know what that dark place is, but not to the, to the severity of that, but I still know what that is. Yes. And how difficult it is to, to pull yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of depression, I mean, that is something that's uh, definitely in my profession and also my area of expertise is in depression. Mm. And uh, you've kind of hit on a lot of the demographics uh, in telling his story briefly mm-hmm. uh, of what depression is. Uh, and people forget that uh, as you look at any illness, there are uh, sometimes when illness becomes, uh, you have to look at it as a fatal illness, and uh, depression can have a fatal outcome. It, it is something that we do have to keep in mind. Uh, but getting back to the demographics, you were talking about, you know, male um, mm-hmm. and, and, and in his early 30s, and that is kind of the median age of onset for depression, um, that there's there's a, an incidence of uh, anywhere from uh, 8 to 26 percent of people over the, their lifetime who will develop it, um, uh, depression, uh, men maybe being around 8 to 12 percent, and women maybe 20 to 26 percent. Uh, there are many ways to treat it, but as with any any illness that can be fatal, uh, a lot of times, no matter how you treat it, it, it may not have a favorable outcome. Um, and it's not just the blues, but it's really a, a situation or an illness where it's very deep, affects your energy level, it can even affect your immune system. Depression is a very real physiologic thing. So I would, I would like for you to explain, because I think the reason why it took me so long to really accept that that was what was going on with me is because at being part of the human, you know, human experience, Um, All of us will get sad, depressed, lonely, you know. uh, So how can you differentiate, I can't even say the word, uh, how can you see the difference? Thank you. Thank you. Easy for you to say. Um, (laughs) How can you kind of say to yourself, this is different. This, 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 This is a little bit more different than just having, like you said, the blues, or sad because there's certain things that happen in your life that of course you're going to be sad uh, a divorce a death uh, a job loss an, uh, a pet dying uh, a friendship ending uh, moving but how how does one person know that you know what this is a little bit this is deeper than just an, a normal reaction to a life experience or a life or a life-changing event Mm-hmm. So how would one know that it's it's different? Because I think for me, that was the problem is because I was like, well, everybody goes to this. So everybody, you know, yes, I'm suffering, but so is everybody else. So everybody gets depressed. And that was what I would tell myself. Well, everybody gets depressed in some way, you know, mm-hmm. 
Right. So how um, do you tell the difference? And one of the, the chief ways, uh, you know, without getting into diagnostic and statistical manuals, now we're up to five, uh, the fifth uh, uh, editing of that diagnostic manual, uh, the first thing to look at is duration. Uh, meaning how long has the depression lasted? You know, when you're getting between three weeks and three months of having symptoms, that's one indicator. And what are the symptoms? The symptoms can be negative thinking. Uh, depression is the kind of thing I like to say that can pull disaster uh, out of the jaws of success. Meaning that it doesn't matter how well things are going, a depressed person will be able to find the negative in it. Uh, even if it's, you just won a million dollars, the depressed person's reaction to that could be, watch, now I'm going to get cancer and die in a month. Or I'm going to lose the money. Or I'm going to invest it in a, in a bad way. So there's negative thinking. Sometimes a depressed person can be uh, seem like they're sapped of energy, but sometimes they can be agitated and restless, and it's hard for them to focus. Mm. Um, they can become irritable, uh, or they can be in a state where they just don't seem to be interested in anything. Mm. They don't offer any kind of rebuttal or any kind of counter to anything that's going on, and the response within them may be, well, what difference does it make anyway? Right. They, they can sleep a lot, or they could uh, sleep less. Uh, they can have uh, a weight gain or a weight loss, uh, and they may be, the irritability may make them lash out at those who are loved ones or people who are trying to help them. Mm. They also may be withdrawn. They used to go and do things with friends and suddenly you find that depressed person is making excuses for why they don't want to go out and do things. Mm -hmm. And uh, also there can be suicidal thoughts, morbid thoughts, uh, recurrent repetitive thoughts of disaster or maiming or something that is going to hurt them. And rather than it being fleeting, because sometimes we will get these fle fleeting morbid thoughts, they will persist with the person who is depressed. So when you get any of those symptoms and they last from consistently for three weeks to three months, mm -hmm. you have flipped into the area of having a major depression. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was always I was always wondering about that. And so for people who know of a family member or a friend or whatever who who has been open about their suffering, what are the signs, or if any signs, if it, if it moves into the suicide part of it, or the, you know, the thought of harming themselves, or are there any indicators? Because I think a lot of times when this happens, uh, there is a huge sense of guilt, and well, why didn't I pick up on that? Or, or oh, I remember when the, he said that, but I didn't. I, I really didn't think about it until later. You know. Um, so how yeah. how does one? Because there's so much guilt that's tied to that with the people that they leave behind, 
that, you know. Yes, uh, I think that that's, you have a very good point. Uh, first and foremost, uh, nobody should be expecting themselves to be mental health uh, sleuthers or professionals uh, in that regard that, oh, I should have picked this up. Because often it's not like the person who is depressed, as I have described some of these symptoms, uh, it's not like they're forthcoming about what's going on. Right. Um, and sometimes when people are trying to plan what they may do, let's say suicide, they may become more secretive. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing that people who know the depressed person can do is to kind of make a point of letting them know that you are there for them. That, you know, uh, do a kind of wellness call on a periodic basis. If you feel like the person is getting more withdrawn, uh, they're not returning your calls, make an attempt to text them or to leave a message. Uh, so everybody is not suicidal uh, who is depressed. It doesn't go to, to that degree. But sometimes people who are depressed can feel like they're uh, encapsulated in a bubble that they can't break the wall of and they are able to hear your support but sometimes they're not able to respond so it can be very helpful if you just keep periodically letting them know that you're thinking about them Mm. Uh, but things that are not helpful as you pointed out earlier are saying things like well you know snap out of it or if you just would hang out with us more, um, you you would get over this depression in a hurry. Uh, what is helpful is social interaction, and that's the last thing that it, some depressed people want. They want to be left alone. They have no energy. Everything feels like an effort, including conversation. But I think what can be very helpful is the is that those who care about them let them know that they haven't been abandoned right right and i know for myself that was a huge the huge signs because i would just retreat um and just hibernate and you know not want to go out not want to see anybody not want to do anything and just sleep all day and you know sleep and eat basically (laughs) um you know but like you said it's interesting because i'm i looking back on my life i can kind of see where it started was probably when i was 15 or 16 where things started to shift for me mentally Mm -hmm. um and what did you notice just an over a sadness and an anxiety all the time you know Mm -hmm. Uh, but definitely a sadness and there were periods where it was just very dark and I kept it from I didn't no one knew about it I kept it to myself well because I was always labeled growing up you know strange or (laughs) oh you know she's kooky you know so I just always attributed that well maybe that's what it is I'm just you know I'm just strange strange kooky this is a medical illness yeah but you know I think uh growing up and especially in our culture you know we don't want to say that we need help outside of you know 
Jesus is going to fix it, you know? Um, so I think a lot of that was already ingrained in me that, you know, pray it away or, or, you know, I, this is nothing that no one else has gone through, you know? Um, I'm no, I'm no different than anyone else, but then I'm, I'm weird and I'm kooky and maybe I'm making too much of it or, maybe I'm supposed to be happier than I feel <laughs> uh, when good things happen when bad things happen you know um, but it would only take and I think a lot of people need to know in terms of depression too sometimes it's not the big major events that will trigger some people you know uh, although though that, that definitely is a part of it but for me Anytime I would slope into a deep depression, it wasn't anything over anything big. It was some small thing that happened that would take me over the edge and I would just fall into this this dark place. Um, yeah. and, might, and it might be a comment that someone made. Uh, it might be, you know, any little thing. It was never huge. You know, like losing a job. Yeah, I felt bad about it, but not a lot of tears of what that is. Like, you know, you have tear levels. Because uh -huh. part of, I think part of, for me, part of the thing has always been I've, I detach. I detach from things that are too, um, too serious or too, like, overwhelming. I have a tendency to detach. So I wouldn't necessarily, if I lost a job, oh, okay, I'm going to be all right, right? And I, it's fine for a couple of months, but then some little thing will happen. And then the, just, the whole well, the, just the whole well of sadness and, you know, low self-esteem and all those things would just swoop in, you know, and overtake me. So I know that... I wonder how many people do do that too. It's, you know, that's your defense mechanism. But what happens is if some little thing kind of triggers it, then you just start thinking about everything. You know, I would go all the way back to when I was nine, you know, <laughs> something happened when I was 30 and I will shot to take it all the way back. And I just get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, mind you, that when it would happen, I would just like, oh, it'll be all right, you know. On the surface. On the surface. Would say. Yes. Uh -huh. But then, mm -hmm. but then, what would happen is that obviously it's gonna catch up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know. Yes, very, very real. And I think you, you're pointing to another thing that we have to look at is that, you know, what are those inciting factors? And there are different types of depression. As you said, there are times when you can just feel blue or a little off. Right. And that may last a week. Right. Uh, again, we're talking about duration. Then there are you know, we talk about seasonal affective disorder and that, uh, again, the shortening of the days can be uh, something that can cause people to become depressed because there is less light. And definitely in Scandinavian countries where they may have three months of no light at all or, or more than three months, there is a higher incidence of depression and suicide. 
so that is that's a reality. So there, there's seasonal depressions. There, the feeling of a blue mood. There are depressions that are associated with an actual loss. There are biologic depressions, and that's the more serious one we're talking about, where something in somebody's internal biology flips a switch. It may be a genetic switch within them because there are genes that code um, in our structure for depression and something can trigger those. So we, we can talk about things that may trigger a depression or may turn that gene on and what it might be is an extreme physical illness. Um, it can be turned on by some catastrophic event that may happen in that person's life a change in their lifestyle that is extremely abrupt or extremely derailing. So there are factors that can turn these things on. And another thing you pointed out, which is a good point, is that someone may lose a spouse and not go into a major depression, where somebody else may lose their car keys and suddenly it causes a cascade event that yes. leads to a major depression yes. so it's not always the the size of the event yes uh, yes and I'm glad you brought, I'm glad you have brought light to that because I think a lot of times uh, when people are suffering in that way over some small thing that happens and it just feels like the world has ended, you feel kind of silly telling your friends or family because the reaction is, well, you just lost your keys. What's the big deal? You know? Right. But if right. you, if you've been like me being detached from things, and that one little thing has triggered all of those things that have happened in the past that you just kind of didn't even, you know, look at. And it just yeah. all comes. And it's not about losing keys. Exactly. But you know, you think it is. Uh -huh. You know, um, and you haven't connected the dots that no, it's not about losing keys. It's about losing what? Did you lose your best friend in sixth grade? Did you lose, you know, um, that some, like you said, a switch clicks on and you associate something with something else that you haven't really dealt with. Or, like you said, biochemical, because I know my dad suffered. So, mm -hmm. so you know, it, it it's, it's an interesting thing. And that's the reason why I'm glad we're talking about it, because I know that the holidays are coming up. And we've all been taught that this is usually the the, the biggest time uh, for suicide. But you said something interesting the other day. You said it's usually it it's leading up to the holidays, not necessarily during the holidays. Correct? Yes, I, I think that um, you know I can recall to uh, studying about depression uh, when I was in training, and they would say there that there are two big hills of depression that will occur one is in the fall and one is in the spring mm. and i think we kind of uh, students look back at that and we thought ah the fall you know again it's the starting of things it's usually when you go back to school and and you have all of these thoughts about what you're going to do with the coming year and that could be part of it 
it can, part of it can be that the days are getting shorter, that there is a change in the, you know, in the global um, seasonality that um, pulls us up short and, ha- and uh, we have less sunlight. But then the other hump that is in the spring, uh, very early spring, maybe March or April, people say, oh, you know, that's when weather is getting better. But again, looking back at the mindset of depressed people, beginnings can also be a time of feeling overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, And also perhaps those times of the year haven't been the best for for people who are depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, the holidays and the idea of being around people or being isolated can be an issue. And in the spring, the thought that everybody should be thinking of new beginnings and starting over can also feel overwhelming. So there's that part of it. And as you said, knowing your family history it doesn't mean if you if your mother or father or or siblings have had a depression that you're inevitably going to have one but it also means though that you need to know your own history so that you can pick up any signs or symptoms that you might have and then have somebody to talk to about those things and make some sense out of them for you so what would you say if someone is struggling what are the fir- what are the first a couple of things that a person can do um to get them on the on the road to recovery and to you know getting the help that they need um even though they might be a little bit more secret you know a lot of times people don't want to tell other people what they're going through because they don't want to appear to be weak or you know mm-hmm. so what is it that you would suggest would be the first small step in dealing with if you know that you're dealing with if you can sense that you're dealing with depression or that if some of the things that you've said kind of hits the person close to home what what would you say would be i would say one of the first things is allowing yourself to say to yourself i think i'm in a depression The idea of admitting that there is something there, rather than thinking, what's wrong with me? Why don't I snap out of it? But to say to yourself, I think I'm in a depression, and it could be a major depression. And the reason that's important is because hopefully being able to say that takes it out of the realm of being something that you can talk yourself out of. I always tell people I work with, if you had high blood pressure or you were diabetic or you had, um, uh, you know, cataracts or you had a respiratory tract infection, you wouldn't say, oh, how can I snap out of this? I should be able to get out of this high blood pressure on my own. No, what you would do is, and this is the second step, is getting to some professional who can evaluate what's going on with you. Hmm. Um, Sometimes, well, most of the time, the first professional that deals with a person's depression is their internist. Um, That's usually the first step in the cycle. Uh, And if you don't have your own internist, to be able to go to either uh, one of the the freestanding clinics or if it feels 
particularly severe, call your local hospital and ask for their psychiatry department and ask if you can have an appointment there. Mm. Now, that's if the depression is mild to moderate. If you're feeling like you can't go on and you're worried about your safety, then get to the emergency room because 24-7, there is somebody there. There's a psychiatrist who can evaluate you. And it may take some time, but say to yourself, I'm worth this time because the alternative is being alone with these negative, potentially life-ending feelings and I need help. I can't carry it all by myself. Right. And then the other ancillary things to this is as you're starting to feel better, some people think, oh, depression, they're going to put me on medicine or I'm going to be admitted to the hospital. A lot of depressions don't require hospitalizations. Uh, Most of them don't. Uh, It can be very helpful to get that evaluation and have somebody officially tell you you're dealing with a depression and this is what we're going to do for your treatment plan. Mm -hmm. So depression can be treated by psychotherapy, psychotherapy and medication, uh, and medication primarily, and then psychotherapy. But medication is not the only treatment. And um, the other things you can do to treat it are making sure you, you are around other people that you don't isolate yourself and that you have a structure for yourself. And that structure initially may be seem very simplistic. Get up at the same time every day, eat at the same time every day, and make yourself call somebody that you trust and care about and ask them to check in with you on a daily basis. Oh, okay. Those are all good points. And for people who are listening, could you give everybody your background? Because it's not like you're just smart, Jeanette. (laughs) She's just rattling off stuff she read. No, you're actually a trained therapist. So could you kind of tell what is your history Um, and and who you are and what you do for a living and all those things and why we should listen to you? Um. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, uh, uh, I am a medical doctor, I am a psychiatrist who now specializes in psychotherapy. Uh, I love talking to people and that is what I do in my, I won't say it's semi-retirement, but uh, I am very blessed and fortunate enough to have a practice where uh, I do deal with people with mood disorders and I primarily, first and foremost, uh, do psychotherapy and uh, have other psychiatrists who enjoy doing the uh, pharmacology side of it who take care of medicating while I do the talk therapy. Uh, My background is that primarily uh, I enjoy working with uh, patients who have problems in terms of what we call mood disorders and depression is certainly one of those that uh, I work with a lot. Uh, so this this knowledge has come through more than 30 years of dealing with people who have depressions or have bipolar disorders uh, or may have a, a psychotic disorder uh, and working with them and learning from them about what goes on in, in their heads and in their lives. Okay, well, 
thank you so much for sharing because I just, you know, when this had happened a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I just feel so sad um, mm -hmm. for his family, for him. Um, and I just wanted to talk about it because I think a lot of people suffer in silence. And, yes. and if there's, you know, anybody who's listening and they really think that that's what's happening with them, that you've kind of, you've given them great steps into seeking help. Well, that's, that is always my hope to, to be able to provide people with information because as you pointed out, the way we're brought up um, can be the thing that helps depression to grow and go to a, a terrible, disastrous end. The idea that we should snap out of it. The idea that you don't talk about it, it'll just get better in and of itself. Right. Well, the natural course of depression, it can run from three months to nine months. But if you're someone who has a depression every six months, that means that you're constantly either getting over a depression or having another depression start. Right. That's in the course of an untreated depression. Right. And it really robs you of life. Depression can change your senses of how you see things. Uh, I've had depressed patients to tell me colors don't look as bright. Mm. Uh, I've had them say, you know, I can't go in the shower because the water on my skin hurts. Mm. Um, uh, food certainly doesn't taste the same or they just find themselves eating out of habit and gaining lots of weight and the mood swings that that they can go through depression is i can't say this loudly or long enough depression is a physiologic experience it is an illness it's not a lifestyle it's not oh i'm just having a bad day and i'll get over it please especially if you even think you may be going through a depression get to a healthcare professional and don't try to get through this alone thank you well and if anyone has any questions are they free to email you um yes. at j um acock at a table for one.com yes please do or you can um email inquiry at a table for one.com so I want to thank you, Miss Jeanette, for all your wisdom and your knowledge in this. And I'm just praying and hoping that, you know, whoever feels like that might be them, that they will start the necessary steps into doing the thing that's going to propel them to feel better. We hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode and be sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook and also check out our website, a table for spelled F O U R and the number one.com. There you'll find interesting articles, our episode calendar, product recommendations, and information on becoming a patron. Thanks for listening. <laughs>